the Lord has laid a message uh, this morning on my heart from the chapter uh, that we read, or I should say the second uh, chapter that we read, Genesis chapter 9. And if you've got a Bible, uh, look at the paragraph from verses 12 to 17, where we have uh, the first mention in the Bible of a rainbow. Now, <clears throat> in uh, these last few months, I think uh, the uh, symbol of the rainbow has been reclaimed uh, from other uses uh, to become a sign of hope. And it's uh, most encouraging uh, for those uh, who are especially on the front line uh, against this virus uh, when they see uh, those signs uh, and it encourages the rest of us as well not to lose hope. Uh, but it's uh, not uh, in these last few years uh, that the rainbow has become a symbol uh, for the first time. Uh, it's actually uh, here in the book of Genesis, uh, in the days of Noah, uh, when God made the rainbow a sign uh, of something uh, very important. Uh, now, I'm not going to look at Noah's flood this morning, uh, but we need to note uh, that that was uh, God judging uh, the world because of its sinfulness, and it's a sign of the coming day of judgments. Uh, that is why we need uh, a saviour in Jesus Christ to save us uh, from the wrath to come. And there is only one way of salvation. It was the ark for Noah, uh, and everybody in the ark was delivered from the flood. And that ark is pointing to Jesus Christ. And it's only by being in Jesus Christ, by faith, that we can be saved from God's judgments. Uh, I don't know what, uh, what you think, but... Uh, was uh, Noah and his family inside the ark for over a year? W was that the first ever lockdown in the history of this world? Uh, I don't know, uh, but uh, they had to stay uh, in that ark for about 378 days. And we can imagine uh, Noah's uh, delight uh, stepping out uh, of that lockdown. Uh, we're all looking forward, I'm sure, uh, to the easing of our lockdown. But imagine uh, having to stay inside, not being able to go out at all. And for that to happen for over a year, just imagine the sheer thrill of being able to step outside and uh, see a new world, uh, smell the freshness uh, after uh, the, the rain and feel uh, the warmth of uh, the sun uh, and hear the singing of the birds. It must have been a wonderful experience for Noah and his family. Uh, no wonder, as we found in the reading uh, in chapter 8, that he built an altar to the Lord and sacrificed uh, to his God. And yet, there would have been this horrible uh, thoughts haunting Noah and his family 
whenever it started to rain again, uh, will this be another worldwide flood? And so what God does is he makes a covenant. Now, we've come across that word already. And if you were listening to the children's talk, uh, I said to them, a covenant is a solemn agreement, a solemn promise, a solemn treaty. And God makes this covenant with Noah that he's never going to flood the whole world again. Now, that doesn't mean to say there are not going to be floods. Otherwise, God would have lied. Uh, it's part of living in a fallen world. But God has been true to his word. There's never been a worldwide flood uh, since Noah's flood. And God, uh, to uh, reassure Noah and his family, uh, gave them a sign of this covenant, which is what we're looking at this morning, the rainbow. So that's the first uh, example of the rainbow as a sign of great hope. Uh, it's always God who is first, you see. Uh, he is always ahead of the game. But then, uh, if you look at Isaiah chapter 54, uh, that sign of the rainbow is taken to a higher level than just God promising never to flood the whole world again. Uh, let me read from Isaiah 54, uh, and this is very important, verses 8 to 10. Listen to this. Uh, Isaiah is the evangelical prophet. With a little wrath, I hid my face from you for a moment, but with everlasting kindness, I will have mercy on you, says the Lord, your Redeemer. For this is like the waters of Noah to me. For as I have sworn that the waters of Noah should no longer cover the earth, so I have sworn that I would not be angry with you nor rebuke you. For the mountains shall depart and the hills be removed, but my kindness shall not depart from you, nor shall my covenant of peace be remove it. Can you see what God is saying there? Just as with Noah's covenant, I promised not to destroy again. So I am making a covenant, an even greater covenant of hope uh, with the Messiah. That's what Isaiah is all about, prophesying the coming of a Messiah, Jesus Christ. And Isaiah is saying uh, that just as uh, there is this covenant that God made with Noah, uh, never to destroy people. So there is this covenant uh, with Jesus Christ, uh, which Noah's covenant is also a sign of, uh, that we will be saved in him. And then in the last book of the Bible, in Revelation, uh, you have the rainbow uh, around the throne where Jesus Christ is reigning. So I just want to look uh, this morning at the rainbow of hope. Uh, yes, it was given to Noah uh, as a sign that God would not flood this world anymore. And it's a sign of hope to us today. But I want to talk about an even better hope uh, that the rainbow uh, is a sign of in this covenant uh, that God has made in Jesus Christ. Now, why is it a better hope? Well, let me just give you a number of reasons. And the first is this. 
Now, you're going to have to bear with me here. Uh, th this is not easy, but it's so, so thrilling when you understand it. It's a covenant with one person. Now, this was true of the covenant with Noah. So if you look, uh, for example, at chapter 8, verse 9. Chapter 8, verse 9, when Noah comes out of the ark. And then uh, go on to the ninth chapter. And if you look at verse 8 there, God spoke to Noah and to his sons with him, saying, and as for me, behold, I establish my covenant with you. It's a covenant first with Noah, with one person, and then through him, with your descendants after you, and not just with mankind, your descendants, but with every living creature and the whole earth. So everything and everybody is touched by this covenant is affected by this covenant that God makes. But to begin with, it is between two people. It's between God and Noah. Now that's important. Why? Because the covenant of grace, the covenant that is in the gospel, the covenant that the Lord's Supper, uh, the communion service is all about, is a covenant that affects us, it affects our eternal destiny, but it's a covenant that God made with one person. Uh, you've got the same uh, uh, in chapter 9 of Genesis, verse 11, I will establish my covenant with you. And I'll give you an example of God. God the Father, the first uh, person of the Trinity, uh, covenanting. With God the Son, Jesus Christ, he became a man, the second person of the Trinity. Jesus preached uh, a very powerful message in John 6, and he said uh, there, and many people didn't like this, uh, but it's so important. He said, John 6, 39, this is the will of my Father, who sent me that all he has given me, I should lose nothing. This solemn treaty between the Father and the Son, but I should raise it up at the last day. What is Jesus? Jesus is, as it were, the surety of this covenant. Uh, we came across that word in the first hymn we sang, God of the Covenants. Jesus, our surety, our kinsman, redeemer. What's that? I said this is complicated, but let me give you an example. It's from our own church. Many, many years ago, uh, somebody uh, related to our church uh, needed uh, to secure um, a visa to live in this country. And uh, there was a hearing, a court hearing, and the person was released. And it was on one condition that somebody else would stand as a surety for that person, as a guarantor. Now, it's all legal language, I know, <laughs> but it's actually 
quite thrilling when you come to understand it, especially in relation to the gospel. The guarantor is responsible for the person he's representing. So if the person wanting a visa, having been released, would have run away, as it were, uh, then the surety, the guarantor, that person, has to pay uh, a price, pay a debt. And that's what Jesus Christ uh, came into the world uh, to do. Uh, that's why Jesus Christ uh, came to live. He didn't have to live uh, and keep the law. He was the son of God. He didn't need to do all of that, but he was doing it uh, as our representative. We have failed. Uh, we have broken the law, but Jesus, as our surety, is standing for us and he's keeping the law for us. But the most important thing he did was die on the cross. And in doing that, he was paying the debts, the debts that secures our salvation. I don't think it's insignificant that Noah in chapter 8 offered a sacrifice on the altar. It wasn't just uh, uh, an offering of thanksgiving, but it was a sacrifice of atonement. Uh, he, he was shedding blood because that blood showed that there had been the death of an innocent animal, the, the surety. Now, let me give you some New Testament verses here. Uh, just uh, to uh, help us understand. Um, Hebrews, Hebrews 7, verse 22. Jesus has become surety of a better covenant. Hebrews 9, verse 12. Not with the blood of goats and calves, or what an ever animal Noah sacrificed, but with his own blood, having obtained eternal redemption. We've been delivered, redeemed, because the blood has been shed. Surety. That's a wonderful truth. Uh, this is why this rainbow is a rainbow of eternal hope, because Jesus Christ has made a covenant with the Father, and Jesus Christ has stood in your place and mine, and he has paid the debts too great for us by dying on the cross for our sins through the shedding of his own blood. Uh, in our new supplements, uh, we've got a hymn. It's an old hymn, but it's been modernized. And uh, it's from Gadsby's hymn book. And it wonderfully describes Jesus as our surety. Uh, let, let me just read. We'll sing it at the end of our service, but let me just read. Listen to this. What sacred fountain freely springs from the throne of God and all new covenant blessings brings. What is it? It's Jesus' precious blood. What a mighty sum paid all my debts. When I a bankrupt stood, we're bankrupt spiritually. We can't pay it back. Hell is forever because we've offended an eternal God. But he has paid and has my life 
in credit sets. It's Jesus' precious blood. Do you see it? A covenant of promise because God the Father and God the Son have made this agreement. And Jesus has stood as our surety and he's paid all that needed to be paid. Are you guilt-ridden this morning because you're still trying to be the surety yourself? Give up and cast yourself on Jesus Christ. Wesley, who struggled with this for many, many months, he said, arise, my soul, arise, shake off thy guilty fears. The bleeding sacrifice in my behalf appears. Before the throne, my surety stands. Can you say that? Jesus is my surety. My name is written on his hands. So this is the first reason why this rainbow is really a rainbow of hope. Because it's been made, the covenants that it's a sign of, it's been made with one person, Jesus Christ. But secondly, this is a rainbow of hope. This rainbow of uh, Noah, God's covenant with Noah and then from Isaiah, uh, this covenant with Jesus Christ, uh, it's a covenant of grace. We use the word grace a lot, don't we? Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. What does it mean? It's undeserving favour. Undeserving favour. Now, what does that mean in relation to Noah? Some people think like this. Uh, Noah was a righteous man. We're told that in the Bible. He was a preacher of righteousness in days of great evil. And nobody apart from his immediate family listened to him. <laughs> uh, maybe you feel like that as a church. It's only uh, our uh, immediate family. And people think then, Ah, God must have looked at Noah and God must have said, because Noah is righteous, I'm going to save him and I'm going to tell him to build the ark and be saved from this flood. But that's not grace. And actually, the Bible doesn't tell us that about Noah. It's putting the cart before the horse to think like that. In Hebrews, we're told, it was by faith that Noah built the ark and received the righteousness that comes from God. Yes, Noah was a righteous man. Yes, Noah was a great preacher. But why? Noah was righteous because God had first looked upon him in pity. Noah, without God, would have been just like the people round about him. And you and I, without the grace of God, would have no hope whatsoever. It's grace that comes first. And grace saves and changes us so that we become godly people. Do you put the carts before the horse, I wonder? Uh, Paul said this, uh, really astounding words. By grace you have been saved. Through faith. And even that faith is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. It's all of grace. 
this covenant. Noah didn't deserve the least of God's mercies. He deserved to die in the flood like everybody else. But God was gracious to him. And God has been gracious to us in providing this covenant of grace in Jesus Christ. And that's why it is by faith in Christ that we're saved. Yes, we turn from sin. Noah would have turned from sin. That's repentance. And we put our faith in Jesus Christ. But it's by faith that the Bible often emphasizes uh, the way of salvation. Do you know why? It's because faith, in its essence, is empty. Faith says, nothing in my hand I bring. Simply to thy cross I cling. Faith says, in Christ alone my hope is found. Grace, faith, repentance, they all go together. And then, of course, being in Christ, the grace of God transforms us and we become righteous and we become like Jesus Christ. But even then, it's still grace. It's still grace. Uh, one of the most poignant hymns ever written is Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing, because it was written by a man who backslid. He went far away from God and we don't know whether he came back at the end. And he wrote these words. They're very poignant. Oh, to grace. He's writing as a Christian. How great a debtor daily I'm constrained to be. Let that grace, Lord, like a fetter, bind my wandering heart to thee. Do you feel that it's amazing grace? Because it's only grace that has saved me. And it's only grace that has kept me safe thus far. It's a covenant of grace. There was nothing in Noah. Now then, there, there is something here about this uh, grace of God in the covenant uh, that is even more astounding, if that is possible. Uh, if you look at verses 8 to 11 of chapter 9, uh, this is what God says. As for me, behold, I establish my covenants with you and with your descendants after you and with every living creature that is with you. Uh, so it touches the whole of creation. And then a little further, he says, verse 12, this is the sign of the covenant which I make between me and you. Verse 13, I set my rainbow in the cloud and it shall be for the sign of the covenants. Now, have you noticed some words that have been repeated in those verses I have read? Verse 9, I establish my covenant with you. And then verse 11, I establish my covenant with you. And then 12, this is the sign of the covenant which I make between me and you. Verse 13, I set my rainbow in the cloud. Verse 14, it shall, uh, I will. It's not Noah's eye, but God's eyes. The I wills of God, the I wills of Christ 
just as Jesus said in John 6, uh, I should lose no one, but should raise him up on the last day. Oh, doesn't that thrill your hearts if you're in Jesus Christ this morning? It's not your determination that saves and keeps, but the eyes of God himself. Um, as you know, I uh, love uh, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, the 19th century Baptist preacher. And I just want to read a lengthy quotation by him, which uh, it's, it's like a Sunday roast to my soul. And I hope it will be like uh, a good uh, uh, Sunday dinner to you. Uh, this is what Spurgeon says. He who knows the difference between you shall, that's a command, you shall, and I will, God speaking, I will as a promise. He who knows the difference between the two is a good theologian. The old covenant of works is you shall, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not kill, you shall not steal. Death always comes to us by the covenant of command. But the new covenant of grace, this is why it's such a rainbow of hope, is I will, the God, uh, uh, the I will of God, and life comes to us by its promises. The covenant of grace says, I will sprinkle clean water upon you, and you shall be clean from all your iniquities. I will save you. If there is a you shall, it is by the way of promise. I will, and as a result, you shall. But there isn't a you shall in terms of our being saved and even of our uh, being kept. It is all the I wills. Oh, dear friends, Spurgeon goes on to say, our heart rejoices to think of these potent shalls and wills, those immovable pillars that death and hell cannot shake, the shalls and wills of God who speaks and it is done. I do not see an if or a but. It is all I will, I will, I will. And so when God covenanted with Christ, it was not I will save my people if they do this, but I will, and they shall from first to last. That's good, isn't it? Let me give you an illustration here. It's um, so sad that we can't have camps this year. I used to enjoy going on boys' camp, and the greatest challenge for me on that camp was the fishing trip. Uh, and I'm afraid of water, so you have to face your fears. And I would go on this fishing trip, and one uh, trip was on St. Bride's Bay when the waters were choppy, and I mean choppy. And we had a little boat, and the waves were, were really uh, quite big in comparison to our little vessel. And I couldn't look at the boat because it was going up and down. It was unstable. I couldn't look at the other people in the boat either because they were going up and down and some of their faces were turning green. I couldn't look at the waves because they were definitely going up and down. But there was one thing I could focus on and that was the solid land. That was immovable and that stabilized my heart. Where are we looking this morning? Whether we are seeking or whether we are believers, it's the same answer. We should be looking to Christ alone. 
to Christ to save us and to Christ to keep us. Are our hearts shaking? Are we afraid of what may happen because of this virus? Are we afraid of the future of the church? How foolish. If the I wills of God and Christ are there, we should be looking to those absolutely stable truths. It doesn't matter how unstable we may be, the church may be, or this world may be. God is immovable. Uh, there's something else here about this being a covenant of grace. Uh, look, look at what God says. I find this very significant. Verse 16. The rainbow shall be in the cloud, and I will look on it. I will look on it to remember the everlasting covenants. Yes, the rainbow was a sign to Noah and his family and all uh, the descendants since, including ourselves. And Jesus Christ uh, hanging on that cross and the blood of the new covenant as he's given to us in the communion service, the broken body, uh, the shed blood. Those are wonderful signs to remind us. But God says to Noah, it's not just you that need reminding. And even when we are told to remember, we forget, don't we? We, we forget. But God needs to remember. God looks on the rainbow and remembers his covenants. God looks on Jesus Christ. He looks at his wounds. And he remembers that all who are in him are not going to be condemned. Um, Spurgeon again, he's too good not to quote. My looking to Jesus brings me joy and peace. But it is God's looking to Jesus which secures my salvation. And that of all his elect. For it is impossible for God to look at Christ, our bleeding surety, and then be angry with us for sin already punished in him. Hallelujah. Your salvation and mine is absolutely secure, even when we fail. Remember Noah, uh, after he built the altar, after God had covenanted with him, what did Noah do? He built an orchard and he made some wine and he got drunk. He failed, he fell. But he was still saved because it was a covenant of grace. It was a covenant of promise. And then one last reason why this rainbow is such a rainbow of hope, not just because it's a covenant between God and Jesus Christ, not just because it's a covenant of sheer grace, but thirdly and finally, it's a covenant of peace, isn't it? It's the covenant of my peace, says God in Isaiah 50. For the mountains and the hills shall be removed, but the covenant of my peace shall not. You know, peace is a wonderful thing. Reconciliation after war. Peace within. What do you need to have a rainbow? You need cloud and rain 
obviously you won't have a rainbow without cloud and rain but then you need another element you need the sun's rays to shine and it's the combination of those three things which produce uh, the spectrum of the rainbow and it's often after the rain that the rainbow appears i know you sometimes have the rainbow when it's still raining but it's when the sun shines after the storm that you see the rainbow as a sign of calm as a sign of peace in the authorized version the word rainbow isn't used i think a better word is used it's the word bow isn't that interesting what's a bow a bow is a warrior's weapon a bow and an arrow and the rainbow look at the shape of the rainbow it's pointing which direction is it pointing it's not pointing earthwards it's pointing heavenwards and there's no arrow in the bow it's as if uh, the the bow has been hung up as if god is saying i'm reconciled now to sinful mankind because of what jesus christ has done all who believe on him are no longer under condemnation but there's, there's something even more awesome here why isn't there an arrow it's because it's already been shot which direction has been shot heavenwards st clair ferguson he wrote about the rainbow he put it like this if god has thrown his bow into the sky where his arrow uh, has gone and it points heavenwards why because it points to his heart it is only as god takes the judgment upon himself into his son jesus christ that we are reconciled to god it was on the cross uh, that jesus reconciled sinful man to a holy god it was on the cross that he took the arrows of god's wrath for your sin and mine it was on the cross that the greatest storm even worse than noah's flood even worse than the day of judgment took place for three hours the wrath of god the darkness was upon his own son because he was taking upon himself your sin and mine he was tasting hell for us so that we could be delivered the rainbow of hope a better hope than the rainbows we are seeing uh, rightly so uh, put up round about us a better hope even than god promising not to flood the earth anymore because this is an everlasting covenant giving an everlasting hope that we believing in jesus christ should never come under god's judgments but be saved for eternal life uh that uh i've got to come to a conclusion but let, let me uh, say just a few things as i wind up where is your trust this morning are you saying i've abandoned all hope in trying to save myself i'm not going to try to be my own surety is is that what you're trying to do uh 
you know you're not perfect. Everybody admits that. We all say we're sinners. But you're thinking of trying uh, to do enough good works that will outbalance your sin so that at the end of the day, when you stand before God, you will say, even though I'm not perfect, I've done enough good to be accepted. My friend, God said of man in the days of Noah, and it hasn't changed, human nature is the same, that even the imagination of our heart is evil continually. Even when we desire to do good, evil is present with us. No, no. There is no merit in anything we do. We've got to abandon our good works as well as our sins and stop trying, stop being a surety and just go to Jesus Christ, turn from those things and go to him and just abandon yourself upon him, trust in him. And then when you are trusting in him, still trust in him. We say in Welsh, don't we, Dali Greddy? When you ask a Welshman, how are you? Instead of saying, okay, he will say, Dali Greddy, I'm still believing. By grace, we're still believing, still focused on Jesus Christ. And you know what? There, there will still be days of darkness. There will still be storms that we'll have to go through. Never the wrath of God but we will still have all sorts of difficulties. And maybe you're going through those difficulties now as a Christian. There, there was one man, uh, it's an old hymn he wrote, but it shows how relevant even these old hymns are. Uh, his name was George and he was um, engaged to be married to a certain lady and she uh, broke off uh, their engagements when uh, she realized that she couldn't live with him because he was blind. That's a double whammy, isn't it? Uh, to uh, have your fiancé break off your engagement and to be suffering with blindness. What a horrible cloud to be under. But George Matheson, that was his full name, he wrote, O joy that seekest me through pain, I cannot close my heart to thee. Even when he slays me, I will still trust in him. I trace the rainbow through the rain. That morn shall tearless be. Are you in the storm at this moment? Just cast yourself on the Lord like you did when you were first saved. And trace the rainbow through the rain. This better hope that we can have. And then one last verse. I don't know who wrote this. I just came across it. Shine, O Son of Righteousness, that's Jesus Christ, through all the clouds of time and sense. Display the rainbow of your grace and rest, my soul, in covenant peace. Praise God for this covenant of peace for this covenant of grace, for this covenant that he made with Jesus Christ and that we have a rainbow of hope, a real hope, a living hope. Let's reclaim the rainbow again as a sign 
of hope for his namesake. Yeah.